Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. KMOX and your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, welcome and thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking a good gardening stroll shortly. But right now, if you have any questions, concerns, or comments about your landscape, your yard, your house plants, or whatever, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. James will be answering the phone, so all he needs is your first name and where you're calling from. And, Mr. Kelly, before you take off, yes, how about a bird update? Bird updates still have a lot of them. They're going. And this week, the finches were out a lot too, along with the cardinals. Perfect. So yeah, had to buy another fifty-pound bag of bird food and uh, went through it in a little over a week. The sunflower seeds this time. So yeah, they're they're busy. So how about robins though? I haven't seen too many of them. See, robins are really the to me the trigger that says spring is here. Yeah, because they really eat only bugs, mm-hmm. worms, and things like that. And they they migrate south when the weather's cold. Right. Then they start heading this direction when it starts warming up. We've got a lot of them in the city. Mm-hmm. And so consequently, you can see them because they got to get the earthworms and the insects start migrating up near the surface. So the robins are not dumb enough to come before there's food here. Right. So... Thank goodness. I think spring's on the way. I think so. I haven't seen any in, in the backyard. I haven't been out front much lately, but I will keep an eye out for them. But right. I, I haven't really seen any yet. There, whoa. So you, that it's, side of the river. It's still winter in Illinois. Just, yeah, really. <laughs> it was cold this morning. It was cold this morning, <laughs> yes. And the I, wind the other day was cold. Right. I haven't seen frost on my windshield for you know several days. When and you I, had it this morning? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I guess I beat it. I got, up, I got out there about 4.30, uh, 4 o'clock. And uh, it was pretty good. Yeah. No, no frost. So I was glad. I walked out and thought, oh, I'll be scraping the window. Right. No, wasn't there. Whoa. Yeah. Fancy. Yeah. All right. Keep okay. an eye out for those robins. We'll do it. All right. Folks, Saturday mornings we get together and we have a discussion about what's impacting your backyard. How about that side yard where those downspouts just keep flushing the water from the rain? And, uh, oh, the neighbors, too. Their trees overhanging your garden space or your lawn or their root systems or whatever especially garden space a taste of the tropics and house plants and how do we do potting mixes and potting soils and what's going to happen with those uh, tulips and daffodils and things that are coming up should we do anything with them or not and pruning bugs diseases yes when the robins come that means spring's on the way that also means the insects are going to the bad insects as well as the good insects are going to start making an impact so hopefully the information that we share and my thoughts will help you orchestrate 
Uh, the best decision, final judgment, obviously is going to be up to you. And this is your show, and I appreciate you inviting me into your home, car, or wherever you happen to be listening. Very, uh, Another very important player is James. He's producing today, so again, he will be the one who answers the phone when you call. You just need your first name and uh, where you're calling from. I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. Gosh, that was the last century. I can't believe that. And if you'd like for me to come to your home and do a landscape consultation, which I call a walk and talk, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the homepage has my email address and phone number. Today I'm headed to Baldwin first and up to Bridgeton after that. And, uh, well, let's get moving. Today's Good Gardening Stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. I headed out, and the sky was really starting to lighten, so I was glad for that. But the prevailing breeze, they were both out of the east. Of course, that's where the sun rises, and today's wind was coming out of the east side. Building architecture from long ago as well as almost brand new were being really highlighted as the sky got lighter and lighter and lighter. And the reason where I headed today is, well, this is Daylight Savings Time weekend, so what better place to go than stroll around Union Station where that giant clock tower is there. And uh, that's probably the biggest one that I th- can think of in this entire region. So I didn't necessarily walk around Union Station, but I went over to the Aloe Plaza. That's where the fountains, well, unfortunately, the fountains are not on yet. It's too cold. But I'll tell you, that granite and marble, those fountains and those statues, whoo, it is really totally wild and crazy. And uh, as I walked around the park, well, the zoysia and whatever else is growing as lawn, Looked okay. And uh, there was benches paired along the slopes, and one bench was given by the great-great-grandchildren of L.P. Aloe. So, wow. Great-great-grandchildren. That guy must have been pretty old. I don't know how old. Anyway. Bald cypress trees and other deciduous trees sit and wait patiently. Even though the robins are bouncing around, it's not quite spring yet. And squirrels were bouncing, too. And something that kind of caught me by surprise, a hawk swept through some of the trees, too, and it headed down towards some of the lawn area. I don't know what he was going after. A pair of joggers were heading west on Market Street, and uh, after the frosty windshield starting the day today, for me, uh, I began to feel so much better as the sun started to come out, and this will be an absolutely great day. So, again, 314 314- Four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. Give us a call and we can talk about it. I'll be back after these messages. Listening to KMOX has never been easier. Siri, play KMOX. Yes, folks, questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. One thing, last week after the show, I had an appointment. Then when I got home, I went ahead and raked all the leaves off the yard. And I thought, wow, this is pretty good. And uh, as you, if you've, you know, let's say a regular listener, you know I live on the northeast corner of a park, Christie Park. And the prevailing winds come out of the southwest and so now my yard is almost, at least part of it, is covered with leaves about a foot deep. 
because of the, all those really super strong winds. I couldn't believe how strong those winds are. And then pretty much the park, all the leaves have been blown out. And now they're in all the everybody that lives around the park on that side. Uh, we've got a heck of a lot of leaves to take care of. Let's, why don't we head out to Afton and we'll go to Joanne's yard and that will be our first caller. Hi, Joanne. Hi. Hi. Um, I've got knockout roses. And they don't look good. What what do I do? <laughs> well, what do you mean they don't look good? They're all brown. Well, this should be this time of year. Okay. So uh, go ahead and you can cut. You know, I don't know how big they are, but you can go ahead and prune them. And then as soon as they start pushing out some foliage, which is going to be probably a month or two before you start to see any flower buds coming out at all, uh, get some rose food and start feeding them rose food every month all the way from, let's say, uh, mid-April, late April, all the way until September. Okay. I didn't cut the hips off because I heard you say not to do that last fall. Well, you know, I mean, you can do it now. Right. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, leaving the hips, basically what that does is tell your rose it's time to go dormant. So that's why I say don't cut them off. But now is the time because dormancy time is hopefully over. And, well, thanks, Joanne. And now let's head over to St. Anne and see what's going on with Donna. Hi, Donna. Hi. Um, I have a problem with grub worms. Um, So I did put the grub worm... um, stuff down last fall but i saw in the package that i need to do it again this spring right and i've I've heard you need to do it in march and i've heard you need to do it in april and i've got quite a big big section in my front yard where the grub worms have killed the grass so i need want to know when i need to put that down and then once i put it down the part of my yard that's kind of dead now do i need to be doing anything else and how long do i have to wait before i can actually put down grass seed and then also i do have some weeds i need to know the order what i need to do i would unless these weeds are really problematic for you i'd sort of skip the weeds for right now if you got the you know putting the grub control down certainly you can do that it's a little bit early because they're not coming up nearest you know near the surface even though i just finished talking about the robins are there and they're trying to get grubs and they're trying to get earthworms and millipedes and everything else but I'd right. probably wait a little bit longer to put the Grub-X down or whatever you happen to be using and just okay. follow the instructions on the label strictly. And uh, then as far as putting seed down, I would say, or sod in the bare spots, as soon as uh, the sod's available at the garden centers, the sod's going to give you instant impact. Seed's going to mean that you're going to have to go a couple, uh, probably every May and every September for a couple of years to get a thick lawn. But you're sure you have grubs? Yes. Okay. So in other words, you've seen them, you've dug them. Yes. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, that's fine. And people always, you know, don't associate any kind of mole activity with related to the grubs because moles, their main diet is earthworms. They just happen to eat grubs if they come across them. But yeah, get the grub X down. Okay. But now we're in March. So should I be doing it in March or should I be doing it? In, the bag said April, but yeah. I read someplace else to do it in March. So I uh, want to know. It's all weather dependent. So in other words, if you put it on when the grubs are still too deep in the soil, it's going to, I mean, it dissolves and everything else. It's not going to be as effective. So you're almost better off to wait until they're up near the surface 
you know, so I would say probably maybe towards the end of this month, again, temperature dependent, put it okay. down at that time. Okay. And then, and then if I'm good. If I'm going to do seed, how long do I have to wait before I can put seed down? Seed and grub X or grub killers have nothing to do with each other. They're not opposed to each other or anything else. Okay. So I can do it right away or I have to wait a little bit? No. Well, you could do it right away if you wanted to. You could do it the same day if you wanted to, or you could do it the next day or a few days later, whatever it happens to be. But with the seed, realize that if you put seed down and the ground temperature is still cold, it's not going to really germinate all that well. So that's why I always recommend putting seed down mid to late April, early May, as opposed to earlier in the year. Even though there's certainly weed seeds that germinate and grow earlier when the ground is colder, you know, the classic type of lawn seed that we have generally needs a warmer temperature than what it is when you would put, let's say, a pre-emergent down. That would mean your soil temperature is like 55 degrees. You should probably... Get a soil thermometer and probably wait until your soil temperature, soil thermometer is about 10 bucks or so. Then you, when your soil temperature gets, a, a, let's say, mid-60s, something around then, that's when I'd put my grass seed down. Okay. And do you charge to go to people's homes to look at lawns? Uh, yeah, that's part of my, that's how I make my living. Okay. How much do you charge to go out to homes? Well, just go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, and all the information is right there. Okay. Very good. Okay. Thank you for the information, sir. Certainly. Thank you. My pleasure. And now let's head over. Well, let's jump the river. We haven't been over there yet. Edwardsville and Joycey, how are you? Hey, I'm doing fine. How are you? Very good. Let's go back to the birds. <laughs> <laughs> it's time to clean out your nest boxes, especially for the bluebirds. They're scouting out their next home, and um, I've seen quite a lot of activity pop up in the last seven days. That's great. Yes. I'm- so, I mean, uh, yeah, and I mean, cleaning out the, you know, the boxes are for sure, that's really important. Yes, it is. And, you know, I usually, once I've got them all cleaned out, I put a little bit of dry grass in the bottom to help the females start the nest. Really? Because, you know, they collect quite a bit of the grasses, um, to, and it's soft grass. It's not the ornamental, um, just to get the female started well that's very nice of you <laughs> yeah been having a lot of fun i um run a bluebird trail at siue and uh it's been wonderful so much fun well that sounds fantastic well thanks for your insight okay take care yes you do the very same thing and now let's jump back on this side of the river and go to no, let's stay to, on the Illinois side and go to Jerseyville. And Linda lives there. Hi, Linda. Hi, Mike. Hi. Uh, thank you for the show. I try to listen every Saturday morning when I'm able. Uh, my question is a pretty common one. It's about the pre-emergent. Uh, but my question about the pre-emergent, I know that you talk about when the persistia blooms. Right. Uh, we, I also go to, I found a link this week. Um, on my computer at the National Weather Soil Temperatures, and you can put in your zip code, and right now it says for Jerseyville, our soil temperature is 51 degrees. Well, we've had some pretty good weather this week, and uh, it has dried out, and we're doing three acres. 
I'm afraid that if we don't do it this weekend, that with all this rain that's coming, we may not be able to get out there without rutting it up for about another 10 days. So my question to you is, uh, can we put it out this weekend? I mean, I know it's just a little bit early, but I kind of feel like a little bit early is better than missing that window. And then we just put several hundreds of dollars down and it does no good. Yeah, I'll tell you, a little early is much better than a little late. So, in other words, you want to get it down because it creates a chemical barrier. So then when that soil temperature is correct, then that triggers those, you know, all those seeds to germinate. And then that chemical barrier created by the pre-emergent then kills those seeds as they're germinating. So, But after they started germinating, right. the pre-emergent does nothing whatsoever. So I would so, say... So, I mean, don't you think we're on the right track of thinking to do it this weekend, we're going to do it tomorrow. Yeah, because you never know how the rain, you know, circumstance and everything else is. And I don't know what kind you're getting. And is it, a, you know, so just, yeah, get it down. Like I said, a little bit early is better than not, uh, than too late. Okay. Another little quick uh, question is, is, you know, uh, in some places we have a lot of leaves and other places we have none because of this wind that we had last week. Right. I told my husband, I said, we got to mow them leaves and get rid of them so that the pre-emergent will hit, get to the ground. And he said, oh, when it rains, it's going to go down. And I said, well, but if the wind blows, it's going to blow it leaf and everything. Right. So am I correct in thinking we need to try to get as much of the trash off the lawn? Yeah, get the debris picked up because you definitely do want that pre-emergent to get down through any kind of organic matter down onto the soil. Because if it's suspended on top of leaves or you know longer grass blades or anything else, its effectiveness is virtually negated. Right, right. Okay, well, that's wonderful. And and to the lady who said about the bluebirds, we've been watching the bluebirds. They have been very active for the last couple of weeks. And, in fact, I think we've had about two, three, maybe even four bluebirds stay the winter around up here. Really? So, uh, yeah, so to tell you the truth, we quit feeding the other birds because they used to have to compete with these silly sparrows and stuffies. <laughs> they're the same thing. And... And uh, so we quit feeding the birds so we could enjoy our bluebirds, you know, kind of one or the other. (laughs) But thank you for your show, Mike. I sure enjoy it. Sure. Thanks for having me on your show. As you know, it's your show, not mine. But uh, speaking of birds, I, you know, I put thistle seed out for chickadees and things like that. But I'm finding that uh, all of a sudden starlings are eating thistle seeds. So they're really aggravating to me. Sometimes I want to just go out and run and scare the starlings away. But uh there, just you never know when you start feeding birds what's going to happen. So, good insight on your part. And now let's head to Joan's yard, and she lives in Afton. Hi, Joan. Hi. Um, I have two questions, and I think I heard about this before, but I can't remember what you said. I have a Chinese maple tree. It's a small tree; doesn't grow real fast. Anyway, the bark on the trunk is just all peeling off. Is there anything I can do? And it, the leaves, it was the last tree in the whole neighborhood to lose its leaves. Uh, the tree seems to be real healthy, but uh, 
I don't know about that bark all falling off. Yeah, if the bark's peeling off all the way around, that could be problematic. But it might just be the trunk is increasing in diameter. And so then consequently, the bark doesn't get bigger itself. It just, the new bark grows underneath it and pushes, causing, let's say, the bark to peel off. So I wouldn't be necessarily overly concerned with it. And as far as the leaves hanging on, the Japanese maples... They're, I mean, they can hold on to leaves all winter long, and they won't be. They'll stay until the new buds, the leaf buds, start pushing on, pushing them off. So that's nothing unusual. What you're experiencing? Yeah, they just lost. It just lost its leaves. Yeah, so that's fine. Oh, okay. So I don't need to wrap that or anything. No, or? I would say, you know, go out and just, you know, just check the. Don't break them or anything. Just check the flexibility of the tips of the, some of the branches, and if they're still pretty flexible, then you sh- it's not a worry. And if it is, if they're not flexible, if they're really brittle and and break off or whatever, then there's nothing you can do anyway. So I would say just leave everything alone and um, you know keep your fingers crossed. But you probably don't even have to do that. Okay. Uh, another question I have: I have an orchid. I've had it for about two years. And when I my son gave it to me, of course it had a couple flowers on it. Right. Uh, and but those died off. Now the plant is just gone wild. You know, it just keeps growing and growing, beautiful leaves, but it never has any more flowers. It might be the amount of light it's getting, and also get some orchid food at your favorite garden center. Orchid food, huh? Right. So it may be nutrient wise. And is it an orchid that grows in soil or is it an orchid that grows in bark? It's in soil. So it's in soil. So yeah, definitely get it. You know, the, the ones in soil need the fertilizing even more than the ones in the bark. They all need it. But just like I said, just go to your favorite garden center and get orchid food. And then follow the instructions on the label as far as how often you have to feed. Early in the year, like this time of year, uh, just feed at half label rate. And then uh, you're going to be probably feeding it monthly all the way pretty much year-round with the orchids. Oh, okay. Except probably. Uh, it, I mean, it's growing, like, and the leaves are beautiful and everything. It's in my kitchen window. It gets a lot of light. So, I mean, sometimes it's just, you know, variety-wise, you know, they're just not going to, unless they're in greenhouses or something, it won't flower for you. But at least by giving it some fertilizer, that's going to at least give it an opportunity or a chance. Okay. All right. That's about all I got. Thank you. Yep. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Get ready for preseason exhibition baseball from Florida today as the Cards take on the Astros. Pre-game 11:55 on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. Cool music. Is this a music station? No, this is a garden station. Our garden show. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Today is the last day where you can take soil samples and drop them off at various locations in the metropolitan area. St. Louis Composting and Valley or in Florissant and Valley Park both are two of the locations. And also, if you don't know how to take a soil sample correctly, because you don't have to just do it this today's the last day to drop them off at various remote locations, but you can always do it at the extension office in Kirkwood. But 
get the soil sample taken correctly. So again, here is the put it in the browser, the address to find out how to take a soil sample. It's T-I-N-Y-U-R-L dot com slash twenty twenty soil health blitz. So it's this is specifically on locations to drop off and things like that. But also they're going to tell you how to take a soil sample. So when the soil test is done, you can get good results, save yourself some money and time and everything else, mental money and real money both, as far as what fertilizing and everything else that you absolutely need. And if, again, 314-436-7900 or one 800 Nine two five eleven twenty. Let's head up to North County and go into Anjard. Hi, Ann. Hi, Mike. Hi. Um, well, I've got a mold problem, <laughs> and um, I've had this going on all throughout the winter, and I suspect that I've got more than one mole. <laughs> My problem is um, they're in our, our front yard, and um, we've got utility lines that are all over our front yard. We had um, Dig Right come out and mark where the, uh, the utility lines are. And um, the moles are right against the – there's activity against the foundation of our house, right where we've got uh, our um, shrubs and plants. They're in our lawn. So how do you address this um, when you can't – you're not allowed to dig in certain – which is pretty much most of our front yard – um, we'll give you a little history. We've tried the poison bait. We've tried castor oil, the Molmax uh, treatment in our entire front lawn and back lawn, and they are back there too. But um, I've basically reverted to buying some mold traps, right. but I'm afraid to use them because I don't want to, you know, run the risk of hitting maybe a utility lawn in front lawn, so it's like, what do you do when you're not allowed to address the issue? <laughs> Basically, you should sell your house. I, t- I got to tell you, I'm really thinking of doing that. I'm <laughs> seriously thinking of that. No, I'm not joking. I'm I mean, seriously mole, thinking the, of doing that. The mole traps, if your utility lines are that close to the surface that a mole trap is going to damage them, that's scary, to be honest. Well, so, I'll tell you, I was speaking to the lady, um, very nice lady, when I, you know, you get a ticket when you're um, you're planning to do anything like this. And I told her, you know, the purpose of our, you know, we want to make sure that it's all legal. She said, any time that you disturb the soil, it doesn't matter what you do. She was reading this verbatim to me off of a piece of paper. Any time you disturb the soil, you must have them come out and mark your property. And um, you cannot dig within two feet of any of these util- utility lines. Well, the, tra- and, um, the traps are not digging. They only go in about three inches. And what you do is you tamp down all the runs and find out which ones have popped up because that's the ones that are active. Then you just set a trap on that run. And, right. you, I mean, that's absurd for somebody to tell you that if you set a trap in your yard that the utility companies have to come out. Yeah, I, I kind of was wondering, was asking her facetiously, um, is it still my property, you know? <laughs> right. Um, if, if every time I do this, and I've, I've purchased two of the gopher hawk traps and one of the scissor traps, um, so I've, I've 
watched probably for hours on YouTube how to deploy these things. But with the weather, I haven't really had the opportunity. And also, I mean, I I work and I do other things. So this right. has become my other job, basically, you know. Well, I'm surprised so, um, that they were active, you know, during the wintertime because – Especially, I mean, the the feeder tunnel is the one at the surface. Then they have tunnel that's below that, and that's the one after they've eaten, they go back to their den and sleep, or that's where the females have the babies or whatever. But there's right. so little earthworm activity in the wintertime because the ground is so cold. I don't know why they would be, you know, tunneling around because there's nothing to eat. So I, maybe they just really like water. Yeah, them. maybe they're bored. It could be. Our houses are very extremely closely spaced. So our neighbors to the left and now to the right are experiencing the same problem. Right. Um, one other question, if I could, please. Um, the little sonic devices that you stick into the ground, have you heard of any person who's had, who, you know, they've had any success with those? Basically, it's a repellent. So in other words, if a mole happens to be coming or you know, heading out from the neighbor's yard, heading towards yours, and they feel this vibration, it has a frequency that they go, well, maybe I'll head, you know, go the other way. But if you already got moles in your yard, they're not going to drive them out. All they do is keep more of them from coming in. But if you have some there and they're females, they're going to have babies and you're going to have more anyway. So you got to get, you know, you got to get these tunnels flattened and you got to get these traps set. Yeah. Well, the purpose of the devices we were thinking of, I'm really concerned about them digging up against our foundation is to put those near the foundation, maybe kind of detract them from going out further in the yard where we can address it, you know, right. the problem. But again, so. if you got, you know, one or two days, if the trap is not triggered in this active tunnel, then you're going to have to move it to another, you know, another part of the whole system. So it's right. not like and you I, just I, stick them in and leave them. Yeah, I tried with the scissor trap, which is it's a good trap. I mean, it's got good um, ratings, but you, we've got like a quarter acre of property, you know, in the front and the back. You just cannot address it with one trap, you know. So I'm hoping that three will hopefully be successful, but we'll see. All right. So Good people luck. out there, please say a prayer for me because <laughs> I'm at my wit's end. <laughs> so. Well, the next time you see a full moon, go out and do a dance. I will. I will. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. Certainly. I appreciate it. Okay. And now let's head from North County to West County and go into Tom's yard. Hi, Tom. I suggest that lady get an outdoor cat. <laughs> anyway, uh, the second house I bought, uh, uh, I realize all trees have pluses and minuses, but the builder for uh, put in uh, ash trees, pin oaks, and sweet gums. Whoa. So, uh, you know, the, most of the ash trees are gone. The, the pin oaks keep the leaves and have the acorns, and we all know about sweet gums. Right. Well, anyway, I downsized and moved into new construction, and he used primarily maples and, and pin oaks, but around the common ground are all sycamores. So I'm looking outside and see, my God, look at all those balls hanging down from the sycamores. Right. Tell me about sycamore balls. I've never done anything with them before. Really? Well, yeah. I mean, they are. They look like sweet gum balls, but they're not hard. Right. So what they'll do is just kind of burst. You know, if you step on them or they'll just implode on their own or or explode, or whatever you want to call it. And they are seeds, but they're, you're not going to get, you know, any kind of circumstance where you're going to get hardly any. Let's say if there's 10,000 uh, sycamore balls on the ground, you may get one 
you know, the German that would germinate and become a, a little sapling. But uh, that's going to be very unlikely. So a lawnmower will handle it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Woo-hoo. Okay. Thank you. Yep. And let's go now to Lori, and she lives in U City. U City. Hi, Lori. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Hi. I have a question. I um, <clears throat> first of all, it's a magnificent day, and I'm so glad the sun's out. <laughs> I called you before about my smoke bush, and it's um, it, it has these shoots that go these branches, and they go straight up, like you know, six feet in the air. And after the last conversation, I cut them, but I believe it was in the fall. So anyway, I don't want things growing from that length because it's they're so ridiculously long. Um, so I, I just want to know if it's okay to trim it now. Yeah, just get the, any kind of pruning done before the you know before the buds open and the foliage starts coming out. Okay. So yeah, you got time to do it. Okay. And. Um, yeah, really, that was my only question. Thanks so much for your show. Well, I know it's our show. It's your show. We're just grateful for you. Thank you. <laughs> well, thanks. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Folks, we've got some phone lines open, so you can give us a call, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. we got about, uh, oh, five or six minutes or so before we're going to take a break at the top of the hour. Uh, this time of year, we get a lot of calls, or we, I get a lot of calls, no, we get a lot of calls uh, about a deer. And this time of year, you're going to find out the female deer are going to be needing a lot of food because they're going to be giving birth to those fawns real soon. Some of the favorite plants for deer are the arborvitae. Yes, they even eat azaleas. They eat rhododendrons. They eat mountain ash. They eat chestnuts, pecans, and all types of fruit trees and small fruit plants as well. And once the deer find a nice place to eat... It's like us. We find a restaurant that we really like their food. We're probably going to go back there. And so the deer are going to do the very same thing as well. So the University of Missouri, this information came from them. I mean, this they've been fooling with this stuff for decades, way longer than I've been doing this show or anything else. But, they, I mean, what they're saying as far as with the deer, it is very hard to stop them. And, I mean, they're saying, in, you know, inexpensive repellents, suspending open weave bags of human hair. I guess you go to a barber shop and just, can you give me all the hair that you have there on the floor? Uh, scented soaps hanging. But, I mean, the repellents and everything else, to be honest with you, if you live in an area where there are deer, it's going to be problematic just in general. So you almost have to do it. There's deer netting, but aesthetically it can make your landscape look a little bit screwy, or not screwy, but just not all that great. There's fencing, which is expensive. So there's, I mean, the deer, if you live in a part of the metropolitan area where deer are, I'm not saying you have to enjoy it, but just realize it is going to be problematic. There's no getting around it. Derek lives in Edwardsville. Hi, Derek. Hi. Thanks for the show. Sure. Should have trimmed back my fruit trees, and they're a good fertilizer for them. Then the second question is uh, being inundated with honeysuckle. So I'd like to have a response on that. 
Uh, basically, with a honeysuckle, are we talking shrub honeysuckle or are we talking vine? Uh, shrub. Okay. What you need to do is cut it off, leave about a two-foot trunk, and then get Roundup for killing woody plants, and then paint it right on it. Make the cut at a 45-degree angle, and as soon as you make the cut, then paint the Roundup right on that open wound. And the Roundup will go down, it will kill the root system, and that's about the best control there possibly is. There's other woody plant controls if you prefer not to use Roundup, but just make sure that it's labeled to kill you know, woody plant material, not just a regular herbicide or something like that. And pruning fruit trees this time of year, I would say go ahead and just leave them and then enjoy the flowering. And then when you start to get fruit set, if you have an abundance of fruit, then eliminate the number of fruit that you have as opposed to just going out and pruning right now. The best time to prune is going into, you know, let's say late summer, early or early fall, you know, so they can set, you know, get the flower buds, well, the flower bud before the flower bud starts setting. So in other words, if you prune now, you're just eliminating flowers, consequently eliminating fruit. Okay, thank you. Yes. And now let's go out to Winsville and into Pete's yard. Hi, Pete. Oh, I'm sorry. It's Pete, K-E-I-T-H, but that's oh. all right. Oh. I've been called worse. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sorry, Keith. What, that's fine. What's the uh, coolest temperature at nighttime that uh, sugar peas can handle? I would say if we start to get probably below the mid-30s, it potentially could do some damage. But, uh, you know, definitely below that is going to be problematic. But, uh, but uh, Okay, well, I was thinking about starting them in the house in those... Um, 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 the, the cardboard egg cartons, mm-hmm. and then just take the egg carton and stick it in the ground whenever the temperature is right. Well, just make sure you poke a hole in the bottom of it, even if it's, you know, can biodegrade on its own. But, uh, yeah, I would oh, probably... Well, I didn't even think about that. Okay. But I would say I wouldn't... Uh, it's going to be very iffy. I think we're probably okay because you're going to get them germinated inside and that's going to probably take 10 to 14, maybe a little bit longer to get them germinated. Then by that time, we're really almost into April. It might be a little bit early to you know to go ahead and plant them. But all you need to do is if the temperature is going to drop to mid-30s or so, is just get a piece of burlap or something and just lay it over the top of them for that night. That should be adequate. All right. Well, thank. I was supposed to ask you something for my neighbor too, but she doesn't know how many hours of sunlight it gets. So we'll figure that out on our own. <laughs> More sunlight, the better. Yep, my All pleasure. Right. Bye. Yeah, and uh, Tom, we're not going to be able to get to you, I don't think, unless you can do it really, really quick. Hi, Mike. Tom, said you St. Louis. Thanks for taking my call. Back in the backyard, uh, we have a apple tree. It's about seven years old. Our son Pecky put a corn in the ground about seven years ago. And it, it and sprouted up on the very top of the tree. It's about maybe thirty, maybe twenty feet tall. It's got little bitty buds. Like last time it was hot uh, a few a month ago, or so we had a hot day. It looks like it, it grew buds. What I want to know is, can I trim it now? It's just a little too big uh, against the fence, and I want to be able just to kind of shape it. Is it okay to do that now or not? Yeah, you could go ahead and do it. Just make sure that you understand you're cutting off some, you know, some flower buds. But, yeah, certainly do it. And uh, Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, we'll be back after the news. So 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. 
King MOX and your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, welcome to the Garden Hotline Tip of the Trial Hour, which we'll be giving shortly. But right now, you can call 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with your ideas, questions, concerns, or comments. And, Mr. Kelly, before you take off, so you were telling me as I was coming in, you've already started some bed preparation. Yes. Yeah, We uh, I did a lot of tilling last week and got a, first I got all the leaves off of everything. We have a lot of moss in the yard because we have a lot of shade and the moss is really cool. Right. It's like a green carpet. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to try to get more of that spread out. But also we're like doubling or maybe tripling the size of our garden, uh, flower garden. And mm-hmm. we will probably grow some some vegetables in there too, mix it all up. And uh, so I tilled it last weekend. Well, I'll tell you, a way to increase your moss is use, like, pure yogurt, not any kind of really? fancy stuff, uh-huh. and mix it in with the green moss, like, mm-hmm. in a blender, Yeah, and then just pour it in various locations. What about buttermilk? Does that work as well, or is butter yogurt milk better? Buttermilk works, but I think yogurt's better. Is it? Yeah. Okay. So it's I've healthy. I've done it with both. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, Have you? But do you think yogurt? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to try that, because it's really nice. I mean, Absolutely. It's, I was walking around in the front the other day and got next to a, to a tree where it's growing, you know? And it had all these red hairs in it. It's, it's really, it's like, oh, I took Sue out. I said, look at this. This is really cool looking moss. Absolutely. You know? like, I agree. Yeah. yeah, people that don't like moss, what they're going to do is be battling a circumstance that they're never going to win. Yeah. They're so. just not very good people. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> they're wonderful people. Just they're mistaken on moss. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> And, folks, by the way, uh, thanks for having me on your show where we can discuss plant selection, the ups and downs and all arounds, the annuals, pansies. I've got uh, two six-inch pots of pansies, and uh, they're really starting to show some good purple color. Your bulbs, your spring flowering bulbs, they're coming up. You should be fertilizing them. I've got some in pots, and I've got some in the ground as well. Edibles, your cool season. What I'm going to do this year is... Under the pots that I have uh, tulips in, I'm going to plant, just take some lettuce seeds and throw them in the pot just to kind of give a little bit of different texture underneath it. And uh, that way, when the tulips are up, they'll look great. Then right after that, I'll have a transition time before I get to the summer stuff that I will have some red lettuce growing in there. Your ground covers, your house plants, your lawn, your perennials, your roses, trees, shrubs, vines, or water gardens. I like sharing my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take, but strictly offered to you to consider. Across the big board is James. He will be the one that answers the phone, so first name and where you're calling from is really all he needs. During the weekend, weekends, I spend my time doing landscape consulting, which I call a walk and talk. And you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, where my phone number and email address on the homepage, you can be found, and then we can schedule one. Today, after the show, I'm headed to Baldwin, and then from there up to Bridgeton. Tip of the Trial is a special recognition for individual group or a situation that's made an impression on me, and it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Uh, special Olympics, 2020 State Indoor Olympic Games are coming to St. Charles. The Special Olympics Indoor Games featuring 3,000 athletes, coaches, and unified partners from across the state come to St. Charles to compete in basketball, bowling, and all kinds of different special events. 
And these uh, indoor games kick off Friday, March 20th, with the opening ceremony in the Highland Arena at 7.30. And then it just goes on and on and on. So they're going to be here for a couple days, March 20th and 21st, at various facilities. Obviously, you can't, in an arena, have bowling, but uh, all across this uh, St. Charles area. And just the Special Olympics is a really unique circumstance, and the athletes are absolutely fantastic. So some of the other locations you're going to have is Cave Springs Lane, St. Charles Lane, Harvest Lanes, basketball venues include St. Charles High School, Highland Arena, Evans Commons, Jefferson Intermediate School, and other locations in St. Charles County as well. So the 2020 State Indoor Games are coming to St. Charles. That's for the Special Olympics. That's going to be March 20th and 21st. So tip of the trial goes out to them. So again, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. If you have any climbing roses, this is the time when you should be pruning your climbing roses. So get out there and start pulling the mulches back off your regular roses, but the the climbers... They should be pruned. Let's head to Wentzville and go into John's yard. Hi, John. Yes, uh, I have a way to, to catch moles, uh, moles, and I think it does a really good job. Uh, I caught a, about 15 one year when I was out, lived kind of out in the country. Whoa. You take take one of these, uh, you know, the taller traps that's got the prongs on the, on the bottom. Right. I would push it down the ground. Then I would take it and put the prongs pull the handle and put the prongs down in the uh, dirt four or five times to make sure that if the dirt was hard, there'd be nothing that would keep the prongs from going down. Mm -hmm. And then after I get it set, about six inches on each side of the trap, I would take a stick and put a hole in their their run. It's my understanding that the moles do not like the air mixture disturbed in their runs. And and you can always tell from which way the mole comes by the way that they have repaired their the, the hole in the in the run. But that will sometimes it doesn't take over thirty minutes. You can set one out there and you look out there in thirty minutes and it'll be thrown. But I caught a bunch of them one year. Yeah, the, those Victor spear traps are really good, excellent. But you know, poking the holes in a tunnel, I'd never heard of that one. So that's really some mm-hmm. good insight. Yeah, that 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 makes them come to try to fix the hole. Right. But you do it on each side of the trap because you don't know from which side the the the, the mole will be coming from. Right. Exactly. So, well, great. Thanks for the insight. Okay. And now let's go to where should we head? Let's go to Lou, and Lou lives in Illinois. Hi, Lou. Hello, Mike. Uh, this mole situation is very interesting. Because I think I have had moles. I have about an acre that I mow, but I've had moles all ridges all winter long. And I don't know whether it's because of the warm weather and they've come up. And yesterday I had a fascinating robin looked out there and he did something and you don't you can figure that out. And then he walked over about a foot and pulled a worm out of the grass, <laughs> an earthworm. Right. Uh, now, but when the last snow was melting, I had three bluebirds, four robins, and Mr. and Miss Groundhog showed up again. (laughs) And I got rid of five of them last year and eight the year before. (laughs) But now I've got about 20 robins, 
they're coming in. The tulips are popped up, and the daffodils are popping up, and a little couple of little crocuses. But I don't know what the situation is. With, I can't walk in the yard anywhere uh, that there's not mole runs everywhere, top on the hill, down below in the low part. Right. And I, I think it must have been something to do with the warmer weather that they were up working more. I don't know. Right, because, I mean, the moles won't dig unless there's, you know, food. And the earthworms won't come up near the surface unless the ground is not super cold slash frozen. So mm-hmm. it's a combination of two different things going on at one time. But you're absolutely right. It's all related to soil temperature. Earthworms move. That's where the moles head. That's how they know where to tunnel towards is the sound of the earthworms. If they come across a grub during the time they're tunneling towards the earthworm sound, they're going to eat that you know grub or millipede or whatever it happens to be or roly-poly. But they're always heading towards the sound of the earthworms because they make a pretty good sound, apparently, that the moles can hear pretty well. So that's exactly what's happened. We've had a fairly mild winter. Well, another thing that happens in my apron to my big pole building where my cars are, uh, when it warms up, the earthworms will be crawling up yet on that concrete apron. Ooh. And that's a pretty good sign that that it's going to warm up, and especially if it rains a little bit, you know. Right. Uh, but anyway, yeah, this the whole yard, and I walked out there one time with rubber boots on with no shoes in them, and I about killed my feet walking across the frozen <laughs> ridges. Of, that's crazy, but, I mean, that's what happened, you right. know. Exactly. And, uh, but the robins are coming in in bunches now. That's perfect. And and I, the little black-headed, what are they, snowbirds or chickadees or something. Mm, right. There are quite a few of those around here, too. But, uh, yeah, the grass is starting to green, so it won't take long. Nope. But I, at least I knew what to do about moles. I haven't any of the hills for – usually they make a big mound every so often. Right, and that's because they're digging a, a lower tunnel. Okay. That's what that is. Because on the surface tunnels, they just lift the soil, the surface up. But the lower tunnel, which is their highway back to their den – they can't lift the push it up because there's it's too much soil, and that's why they push it up to the surface. Mm. Well, we, uh, I'm about a, I'm a camp spill. I'm about a hundred miles north of you here. Ah. So uh, anyway, I uh, wish there's a way for somebody to devise something that you could sprinkle around and plant and not disturb anything or kill anything else, but it would kill some moles. <laughs> <laughs> like spray with anhydrous or something. You know? <laughs> so. All right. Well, thanks. That's my comments. Certainly. And I, I listen every every Saturday morning that I can. Well, great. So. Well, thanks for having me on your show. Well, thank you. Bye. Yeah. And 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Questions, comments, ideas, or concerns. Weekday mornings at 830, Charlie Brennan and Amy Marks-Cores provide perspective on KMOX and KMOX.com. Yes, folks, this is from the University of Missouri Extension Service. Why should you have your soil tested? Soil conditions have a huge impact on plant health pH and nutrient levels can change over time, and you may be over-fertilizing your lawn or garden, and that can cause real problems, too. So if you've been using the same fertilizer year after year after year, the last two numbers of phosphorus and potassium stay in the soil for several years. So realize that you may be causing more, and if it builds up too much, 
then it can cause detrimental and impact to your plant material. So, and testing is the only way to tell which nutrients also may be lacking. So, too many nutrients and lacking nutrients both, and that's what's important. Again, you can take your soil samples to uh, this weekend. Today's the last day, but let's say you didn't get one taken or anything else, you can take them to Kirkwood on East Monroe Avenue, and also two places in the city you can drop off your soil samples, Brightside St. Louis, which is on Shenandoah, and Gateway Greening, which is on Washington Avenue. So the city has two different drop-off locations, and in the county there is one. So why don't we head to Mary's Yard in University City. Hi, Mary. Hi, how you doing? Very good. Um, yes, I have a question. I hear that crepe myrtles don't uh, flower, that they're a later, you know, you see activity on the plant later than some other plants in the spring. And I was just wondering when would I see signs of life? Uh, basically, I mean, the leaves can come out, you know, at a normal time when everything else is pushing out leaf buds. So okay. it's just they don't flower until later on. So oh, okay. That's it's like Rosa Sharon, butterfly bushes, and crepe myrtles flower in the summertime versus the springtime. But the leaf emergence can be at the same time as other shrubs. Okay. So when would I, sometime towards the end of March, I might start to see a little growth? Yeah, it just depends. You know, it depends upon exposure, if they're in the shade, if they're in the sun, if they're next to a building which will reflect heat and the soil would be warmer in that location. So there's a lot of different factors. But probably late March might be a little bit too early, but uh, sometime they should be certainly be pushing full leaf out by the end of April. Oh, okay, okay. They're in pretty good sunlight. They get a lot of west sun from the west when the sun... Um you know, like afternoon sun. Uh-huh. Uh, that's what I would say. Great. But I just planted them last year, so in the fall. So I'm hoping, keeping the fingers crossed that everything's okay. Right. And, uh, you know, planting properly and everything else, hole three times the diameter of the root ball, only 80% as deep. So the top of the root ball, the crown is above the surrounding ground. That's the ideal way to plant. Right. I, I did that, and I Great. mulched them kind of late, but I did get mulch over them before we got a really hard freeze. And the ground froze up a little bit. Um, one of them I planted in, I, when I started digging, I just noticed the soil was really kind of rocky. But it was like too late. It was the only place I had left to plant them. So I just tried to amend the soil a lot. Well, that sounds great. Okay. And, uh, okay, one other question. Something keeps digging in my mulch around the crepe myrtles, and I suspect it's squirrels. And I throw coffee grounds down because that has kind of deterred the little voles and um, other things. But it just, you know, I, I straighten out the mulch, I fill in the holes a little, and they dig a little hole there. And I have a lot of squirrels in my yard. Right. It's, and I'm thinking that's the only thing I can think of. It's digging from the top down. Yeah, that's you're right. It's probably squirrels, and they're probably trying to plant acorns and other things, too. Okay. I was kind of surprised. I was like, it's kind of late, you know, to be planting your acorns, but I guess they do that year-round? Well, not really. I mean, the acorns fall, they drop, you know, during the wintertime, fall, and that kind of stuff. So uh-huh. then, uh, ultimately, they're not going to be any left. Right, very few. Right. So, and they're going okay, to be eating well, that, them. Is there anything else. to deter them anymore? I mean, no. the coffee grounds don't seem to do it. They don't care. <laughs> no, nothing's really, I mean, other than putting screen down or something like that, which is horribly, you know, awkward. 
Yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. Right. And um, also they told me at the plant center that coffee grounds are good for the soil, um, that they kind of help to build the soil. Well, yeah, I mean, from an organic standpoint, yes. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, I'm just kind of sprinkling them on the top. Like I said, it does work, it seems like, for the little voles. They don't like it. A friend of mine looked that up on the Internet, and that's what the Internet said, and it did seem to work last summer. Well, great. So, okay, otherwise right. I can mix them into the soil or just keep doing what I'm doing, sprinkle them on the yeah, top, and eventually fine. they'll filter down. Yep. Thanks, okay, Mary. well, thanks for the info, and thanks for the show. Sure. And All now right, let's have head a good from U-City to South County and go into Steve's yard. Hi, Steve. Hey, Steve. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Um, I had a couple of big bushes. I don't know what kind of bushes they were. They got those little r- green, look like crowns or marbles on on them. Um, I had these, they're, they were 40 years old. So I had them taken out and around the area. Is, I got a lot of, you know, of course, dead grass and stuff like that. Um, one is, what, what should I do with that area? Rake it out or uh, and then plant? Or, you know, what should I do? Let it go for a little bit or what? Well, basically, it sounds like you have junipers. And did you have the root systems taken out? No, I wanted to try. I was going to leave the root system because I thought I would put, plant a couple of uh, hostas or something around it just to make it, you know, just to, I don't know. Well, if, if, the, if, the, if the shade's not there from the junipers anymore, then the hostas are just going to fry if it's in the sun. Okay. So, okay. I mean, look at, you know, sunflower family. But understand that, you know, these plants, these junipers had extensive root systems, and the root system can stay active and viable. In other words, competing with new plants that you're putting in there, whether it's you know plants that have been professionally grown or from seed or anything else for several years. So in other words, they're going to compete with nutrients and moisture factors. So okay. that's what you have to be concerned with in the areas where larger, mature plants have been taken out. And uh, even when the stumps are ground out in major trees, the root systems, the feeder roots are at the very ends. And so up close to where the trunk was really doesn't matter all that much other than the fact the high wood content is there. Okay. Okay. So it's it's going to be iffy. And one more quick question. Um, Crabgrass got a lot of it. Can I put the crabgrass preventer on now? And still, if I wanted to plant some of the seed in that area, or should will the crabgrass preventer kill that seed? It'll kill the seed. So it's a little bit too early for the crabgrass preventer to be put down. Watch for the forsythia to be in bloom in your neighborhood, then put it down at that time. Or go to your favorite garden center, get a soil thermometer, and when the soil temperatures start hitting near 55, that's when this uh, pre-emergence should go down. Okay. All right. Thank you. Yep. And now let's go to... I don't know where to go. Let's go to Granite City. Elaine, how are you? Hello. Hi. Uh, I have three questions about orchids, the kind that you just get at you know a local grocery store. I really don't know how to pronounce a nice long name. But I was wondering, I've had some for quite a while, and they need to be repotted. What's the best way to do that? And um, I, I have three questions, so I'll just give them to you all once. How to repot them, how to um, or where to cut off the dead stem after they're done blooming, and what's the best way to water them? Uh, water them. Are these orchids in soil or are they in bark? They're in bark. Okay, so in bark, you don't necessarily need to repot them. Oh, really? Okay. No. You can leave them in the same pot for really a long time. You know, depending upon what type they are, a lot of them will send out root systems. 
Right, these have. Yeah, and their native habitat, they grow like on the sides of trees and stuff. So those root systems grab onto things to keep them, you know, Mm -hmm. from falling. And as far as Anything else goes, just you know, kind of leave them alone. If you've got flower stems or foliage that has died, just cut it off as close as you can without damaging anything that's close by. And I, okay. what was the third question? Um, what's the best way to water them or how much water should they get? Well, since they're in bark, you can't really overwater them all that much. So just every so often when you kind of think about it, just take them over to the faucet, run the water down. It'll come out the drainage holes in the bottom, and then uh, that's pretty much it. Thank you very much. Yep. Pretty, you know, they're fairly easy, but as far as being able to get the, you know, the flowering, that's where the problems come. Jesse lives in St. Louis. Hi, Jesse. Hi. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Okay. So I have a Mother Christmas uh, cactus, and it's a, a, like it looks like two or three plants are in one big pot, and it's kind of getting woody, and it was getting really long. So around December, I took like six starts from it using like three or four of the sections and I put them in sand and soil, and I got them going. So the mother plant, is that, does that thing just keep getting really big, or is there a length of time? Should I kill it? It's really big, and it's still got a lot of green on it and everything. But uh, And then with the baby plants, they've all started getting little bitty leaves, and some of them are branching out two or three at the tip instead of just a single uh, section. So should I put like should I start combining and put two or three in a little bit larger pot? Do they like to be root-bound? Or should I just leave them all individual? And uh, a couple of them even have a bloom on them Whoa. that starts. Wow, you're a master at this. But no, you don't need to you know, put them all together or anything else. The original plant, you know, you can get rid of it if you want to. I mean, you can basically what happens is you've, if it sounds like this is a pretty old one, the stuff coming up out of the ground, out of the potting mix, almost turns into like wood. And then they're only going to be like the green leafy type things at the ends. So, I mean, that could go on and on and on for a long, long time. Okay. When I water it, it's like a a rock. And so I just wait till it gets really, really dry, and I just basically flood it. Right. And it seems to – it looks nice still, and it's like since I trimmed it back, it's a little bit more even because some of the sections were getting a little unlooking, not not nice. So – I was thinking about keeping it as long as I thought it would live and do more, you know, balloons and everything. Yeah, sounds perfect. And then I always put it in a dark closet or I give it a lot of long nights and I put it in a total darkness and I force it to bloom for Christmas each year. Right. That's exactly. I mean, you're supposed to put it in the dark circumstances for like 12 hours of light, 12 hours in the dark. And that's more or less intimating what their native habitat does. Okay. Well, it sounds like uh, I never had such luck with starting. All my starts are really taken off, too. Yeah, that sounds great because, you know, I mean, they're not exactly that easy to start. So congratulations. Oh, I, have a, to I, have a, I have a, I have a, inside I have a grow light, uh, some of those grow lights. Ah. In a, yeah, like, a, like an old garage light, the fluorescent tubes. Right. But they're specifically for growing things. And right. And I use that for starting that in violets. Sounds perfect. All right. Well, thanks a lot. Yep. And if anybody has questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. 
We are getting down to the last two weeks of spring training for the Cardinals in Florida, and I am heading there soon. This is Tom Ackerman. Listen for my spring training reports from the T.R. Hughes broadcast location in Jupiter. T.R. Hughes Homes, St. Charles Premier, new home builder. It's everything you need to know about the NL Central champions. On the voice of the Cardinals, KMOX. Guess what, folks? Early spring. Yes, remember, south-facing yards are going to warm up before the north-facing yards, and uh, the bugs are going to start coming out. I mean, I'm starting to see some things, you know, some insects flying, even just simple gnats. It's a good indication that it's getting warm enough. So watch out for thrips, aphids, mites, pine sawflies, tent caterpillars. They're the ones that do that wad. No, no, no. They're, they don't do the wad. They do the big webbing in the branches of the trees, scale, bagworms, beetles, and whiteflies. And they've overwintered either as eggs, larvae, pupa, or adults. So just realize that, I mean, the insects are going to be out there and they're going to be causing problems as soon as these leaves start emerging. So they usually are not out too much as far as the ones that damage plant material until there's something for them to eat, but it's going to be real, real soon. Kind of the trigger is when the silver maples go into flower. That's usually generally the biggest or the tree that or large tree that flowers first, as opposed to let's say something like witch hazels and other things that flower early shrub wise. So now let's go to Overland and see what's going on with Cynthia. Or oh, she lives in Florissant. Sorry. Hi, Cynthia. Good morning. Hi. Um, I'm a novice. I received a Christmas cactus about, oh, a little over a year ago. It bloomed with about 30 different blooms on in December, and I still have it in the original pot, and now it's blooming again. Wow. So I need some help to make sure it stays good and healthy. <laughs> Basically, don't overwater. So, in other words, wait until the potting mix on the inside of the pot starts shrinking away and you see a gap between the potting mix and the inside of the pot. Then you can water it at that time. But don't, you know, routinely don't water because you can cause major problems with it. But beyond that, uh, later on, maybe uh, when the days start getting a little bit longer, let's say sometime in mid-April or so, go to your favorite garden center, get some cactus mix fertilizer or cactus fertilizer and just fertilize about the oh every let's say four to six weeks and stop fertilizing in uh, august and that's about the best things you can do just don't overwater don't put it into a bigger pot just leave it alone okay well thank you for the information and really enjoy the show well thanks yeah and like the gentleman who was just speaking also when we start to get into september he puts his christmas cactus in the dark to ensure that it's going to be dark for about 12 hours, and then he brings it back out in the light for like 12 hours. So good luck with that, Cynthia. And now let's go to Jean in St. Louis. Hi, Jean. Yes. Uh, I was wondering how to get rid of Lespedeza in the yard. <laughs> go after it with a, a broadleaf weed killer, like a weed be gone type stuff. Okay. And it's, I mean, it's going to be a long-term battle because it's probably well-established. And oh, yes. one-time application is just not going to get rid of it. So okay. just you're going to have to stay on top of it, and uh, that's about all you can really do. Well, how often uh, to put down the weed be gone? As soon as you start to see some new green growth coming. Mm-hmm. And that go out, you know, 
basically do it then and just, I mean, spot treat the area where it's most prominent. Okay. Very good, then. Thank you. Yep. Good luck with that. And now let's go to Jim in Oakville. Hi, Jim. Hey, good morning, Mike. Hi. My question is regarding fungicides for my lawn. I have a mixture of about 50% zoysia and 50% fescue. When should I put that down, and what frequency should I put it down over the summer? Uh, basically, fungicides, they don't care you know, what type of lawn it is. It's a fungus that's really problematic. So, I mean, you're probably not going to necessarily get the same fungus growth at the same time of year on these two different types of lawn because the cool season is it's going to go going to be a lot more prominent in the summertime because it hates summer. So in other words, your fescues or bluegrasses are going to have, you know, fungus problems in the summer. So just just routine, go to your favorite garden center, tell them what you have, and then see which fungicide they recommend. I don't necessarily like to stay with the same product time after time after time. So I kind of rotate between a couple different products on pretty much anything I use. So that you don't need to worry about which one it is. Uh, just, you know, basically go after it. Now, do you okay, know, great. do you know you have a fungus problem? Uh, I'm, I'm what it is. Um, last couple of years, I've had some issues where I'll just get patches of, of brown and um, eventually I could get grass to grow back in that same spot. Well, ba- the way to tell if you really have fungus is you see the brown brown area. Just get down. You, If you have to, get down on your hands and knees and look at that transition zone. So, in other words, where the brown is and where it goes to the green grass blades. If you've got a fungus problem, you should be able to see some fuzzy stuff, depending upon what type of fungus it is, on those grass blades that are in the green area. So within okay. just an inch or so, that's way that way you can tell. So there is all kinds of different funguses. There's even winter funguses. So, I mean, if you're starting to see some brown stuff showing up, just go out and take a look. All right. Great advice. Thanks. I appreciate that. Great. And now let's go to Sandy, and she lives in Granite City. Hi, Sandy. Hi, Mike. Uh, I've got, well, you've had quite a few calls this morning on moles, and I'm I'm another one. Uh, I've had this the past few years, you know, and my husband and I have been trying to buy things to put in the ground and whatever. But the gentleman that uh, sprays for me for insects and stuff said that he could take care of it. And he, is it too cold yet to try to treat it now or because he was he came yesterday and he I wasn't here but you know he left me a note that he'd done it but he didn't say if he found it if he got rid of it or what <laughs> I'm wanting to get rid of the mold because uh well for my lawn especially but I had a pool taken out in my backyard and I want somebody to come and put sod but I don't want to do that until I get rid of this mold so is it if if he came yesterday is it is the ground too cold for it to have been effective well if he put some kind of chemical down try to get rid of moles that's not going to work oh i don't know what he did i haven't well if he the university of missouri studies are indicating that the traps are the best thing to use i mean there are uh, you know other things where people can call and say well i've done this i've put uh, mothballs in the holes i've done this i've put gasoline and burnt my yard up and yeah i mean just totally nuts stuff but if you don't see a trap there then i don't know what you know what he actually did 
Hopefully you didn't put something down like grub control saying it's going to get rid of the moles because it won't. I know I've talked to you before about that, and you said it wouldn't. But, um, yeah, because my lawn service had tried to talk me into getting grub service, you know, to get rid of those. And you told me that wouldn't help the mole. Okay, um, but it's not too cold. I mean, it doesn't. I mean, my yard's lumpy, so I assume they're still around. Or... Well, you don't know, but I mean, just watch for you know, watch specific areas and see if you see new tunnels pop up on the surface of the soil. That indicates mm-hmm. the moles are moving around because the earthworms are moving because the soil is getting warmer, and mm-hmm. the moles can hear the earthworms. And also, the females are going to be having babies, and mm-hmm. they need to get a lot of extra food so that you're going to see a lot of activity. You know, the females basically gave birth last month or early this month or right now. And so just realize, watch for those tunnels just to pop up, not just ruts or anything else. Okay, because I don't want my landscaper to come and put the sod if, you know, if they're still active in the yard. Right. Okay. <laughs> Vicious circle. <laughs> you aren't kidding. I mean, okay. uh, you know, if it's if you have a nice yard and you got a lot of earthworms, like I said, the traps, Victor Spear, choker loop traps, they're the ones most effective. Okay. No, I always said beautiful social lawn, but it's just wreaked havoc with it, you know. <laughs> okay. Thank you for your advice. Well, sure. I listen to you all the time. <laughs> well, great. Well, thanks for having me on your show. Mike Thank Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Guess what, folks? Yes, there are some weeds out there already. Those are the cool season annual weeds that germinated last August. But also there's going to be an explosion of the warm season weeds. So just understand there's all different kinds of weeds. There's annual weeds, which only grow and drop seeds after one season. So it's perpetuating themselves. There's biennial ones. That will grow for two years. The last year they will f- produce a flower, which will make seeds. A perennial. Then there's uh, those are the three major types of group. But broadleaf grass, sedges, those are the other. That's what within those particular groups. So uh, let's go to Mary's yard, and she lives in St. Louis. Hi, Mary. Hi, Mike. Hi. Um, I helped a lady um, plant her entire front yard last November. And um, she had a friend that tilled it up. We raked all the weeds out. I got really good seed from um, Bayer Garden on Hampton. Um, The yard looks great. Um, I am going to lightly rake out the um, whatever straw is left. We did cover it with straw. Um, Can I do the pre-emergent this weekend on her lawn? Uh, it might be a little early. Has, it hasn't been cut yet. Yeah, I would say maybe wait until the forsythia is in bloom. That way, you're assured of getting it down, kind of right at the early time. I mean, a gentleman called during the first hour and said, because of forecast rain and everything else, he wanted to know if he could put it down. You can put it down. It's a little bit early, but uh, yeah, okay. you can go ahead and do it. And my thought is, if you did seeding, I th- would think you'd be doing an overseeding in May this year. As well. Oh, okay. So maybe seed first. No, no, no. Again, you, in May. Yeah, no? probably. What you know, you're, you've you put the pre-emergent down now. It's going to get rid of the you know, the things that are going to be popping up. You know, that won't be lawn grass seed, and then wait for you know until May. 
late April, early May to put the uh, the lawn more lawn seed down. Oh, great! Okay, well, thank you very much. Yep, good I luck with that. It. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, and understand too whether you raked all the weeds out and everything else, you're still going to have a weed problem there too. So. I think thick lawn is the best way to get rid of uh, you know some of the weed circumstances, but it's still going to be an ongoing battle. Let's head to Mary's yard, and Mary lives in St. Louis. Oh, we just did Mary. Sorry. Let's go to Joanne, and she's in South County. Uh, thanks, Mike, for taking my call. Sure. I have a, a yard of zoysia, and I'm wondering when is the best time to thatch that? Uh, wait till it starts greening up a little bit. Now, I don't know how long your, gla- your grass blades are, but right before you dethatch it, go ahead and set your mower down to about two inches or two and a half inches and mow it and then dethatch it at that time. Okay, that, that's what they cut it at uh, is about two inches. So um, that's where it's at right now. So I, I guess when it starts, the zoysia starts getting green, then I should have it thatched? Right, exactly. If you do it early. Well, that, that won't be until about June, though, will it? Well, it should be before that. It should be probably early May at the latest, maybe even. It's got all weather temperature related, so there's no way to know specifically. But if you do it, and let's say now, and we get another cold spell, which who knows we might, then what happens is there's been crowns of the zoysia exposed because of the dethatching, and you could have some cold weather related damage done. That's why uh, you don't want to do it too early. Okay, then I'll just make an appointment with him to do it in first part of May. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much. Have yeah. a blessed day. Yeah. Just you know, late April, early May, and that's the best time to do it. So. Okay. Super. Thank you so much. Certainly. And now let's go to Tom in St. Louis. Hi, Tom. Hey, Mike. Can you hear me? Yes. Um, I've got uh, some playground equipment I took down, and I have a real nice patch of zoysia in the backyard. And what I want to do is take one of those pluggers and, you know, take the plugs out and then try and get zoysia going in the bare spots. When's the best time to do that? Does it have to be greened up before I do it? Yes, it definitely has to be greened up. And also, you got to get that soil turned over, tilled, and everything else. Because if you have playground equipment on that area, the soil is so compacted... Whatever you would put there will never survive. So you got to right. work that soil up and add some compost to the area, too. All right. We'll do it. Thank you. Yeah. And the best way to know about timing-wise, as soon as the garden centers start having the zoysia, then that's when you can plug. And now let's go. And Anita lives in Collinsville. Anita, can you do it kind of quick? Yes. I was just wondering. My daughter gave me some tulip bulbs last year that I did not get planted. Can I plant them this spring, or when's best time to plant those? <laughs> yeah, you can plant. Yeah. I, I don't. How many do you have? Oh, maybe there's ten or twelve. I would, if you can, I would put them in pots with potting mix, and put the pots, you know, outside so they can get the rain and everything else. And keep your fingers crossed. My guess is they're probably just going to put leaves out. I don't think they're going to put flowers, but they may do the flowers. Oh, I didn't know if I didn't want to. Well, you have to, because then your daughter's going to say, Mom, how did those tulips do? And you're going to go, well, uh, I think somebody stole them. No. Basically, if if you put them in pots, it's very easy to do with potting mix and just sit them outside on a sunny porch and uh, when we first plant them, go ahead and just water them at that time and then just don't worry about them. 
Okay, I give it a whirl. Thank you so much. <laughs> sure. Now, if you want to, just say, well, they all rotted and, you know, or squirrel ate them or something. Yeah, but uh, for the most part, that's not ideal. I mean, you have them in the ground to get them, you know, cold, you know, temperature-wise and everything else that they need. For flowering, that's going to be what is missed. So you'll get some, maybe some nice foliage. Some of the tulips have red stripes on the leaves and things like that. So just enjoy the foliage. So thanks to everybody for calling in. And uh, guess what? Thank goodness. I hope that spring is here. I am so tired of the cold weather this year. It seems, even though it wasn't drastic, it's just like horribly boring cold. Mike Miller, KM Wash Garden Hotline. I'll see you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.